morning, church. Thank you, Josh. Thank you, Josh, and the entire worship team for leading such a wonderful time of singing together and preparing our hearts for a time of reflection this morning. When Josh initially reached out to me to share this morning, I was, one, a little hesitant. Uh, I'm afraid of speaking in public, and as I read his email and thought about it, I had my mind went back to just a few days before Josh reached out to me via email that I had basically made a commitment to be a devoted member of this faith community. And most all of us had actually <laughs> done that. And so God calls us to sometimes do things that we're uncomfortable with. He is wanting to stretch us, to grow us, and challenge us to continue to trust him and continue to grow in our faith. And so I hope you remember that when you are called to serve. When Tracy kicked off the season of Lent, she introduced Lent as a time of intentional reflection, remembering our dependence on God and the Word of God. She introduced the concept of discipleship and described discipleship as the process by which disciples grow in the Lord Jesus Christ. Last week, Larry brought us a message about the authority and power of Jesus. Two of the takeaways he challenged us with as he ended his message were, one, we are called to extreme faith and belief, and two, through Christ, we have the power to do. This morning, I'd like to spend a few minutes with you sharing my reflections on what Jesus is calling us to. And we're going to do so by unpacking Mark 8, verse 34. Before we look at that verse, I'd like for us to just consider the time and place we live in today. The culture and time that we are part of today is, well, about you and me. Our culture places great importance on self-fulfillment and self-pleasure. Our culture tells us to do and say those things that make us feel good our culture encourages us to have relationships that are self-fulfilling. If that means buying something to make us happy, then do it. If that means taking a vacation to a warm, sunny place, then go for it. If that means taking a drug to ease the pain, then take it. Put yourself first. You do you. Now, when we turn our attention to what Jesus says, we hear a different message. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. What does this mean? What does it mean to deny ourselves? You see, what I think Jesus is talking about in this passage is two lives. The first life is our life here on earth. 
the life that is made up of all the stuff we have, the clothes we wear, the cars we drive, the businesses we own, the jobs we pour our energy into, the size of our bank accounts, the relationships we have, the emphasis we place on physical beauty, our, fashion, our fascination with celebrities, the eagles, the stealers, the flyers, the browns, the number of followers we have online, our influence and all our other obsessions. What we're talking about here is all those things that distract us and weigh us down as we struggle to make way for Jesus to be in our lives. And then we've got this other life, our spiritual life, which is our relationship with God. It's that part of us that realizes that we were created by God in his own image. We were loved so much by Jesus that he would come down to this earth and sacrifice himself on that cross. And that the Holy Spirit, our guide, is with us at all times. As Jonathan Bornman shared a couple of weeks ago, it's also that, that part of us that cares and loves others more than we love ourselves. You know, the widows, the orphans, the immigrants, the sick, the suffering, the poor, the prisoners, people who are struggling with substance abuse and mental illness, even those people we disagree with. All those people, all of God's children. At least some of us here struggle with our spiritual lives. For some of us, our relationship with God is not a constant, strong, and steady. Some of us experience inconsistencies and times of feeling that we are distant from God. Our spiritual life is a reflection of our relationship with God. And the health of our relationship God, with God speaks volumes about how we relate to God and one another. It is our walk with God that causes us to fall deeper in love with him. And that intimacy leads us to greater love, forgiveness, compassion, and care. You see, we're presented with a choice. Jesus tells us that we cannot live for both this world and for him. That we cannot live for the beauty, wealth, influence, and comfort this world has to offer, as this directly contradicts the example he set for us when he was here on this earth. Jesus is calling us to put God first and think of, care for, and love others more than ourselves. Now onto the second part. Take up your cross and follow me. What does this mean in the day and age that we live in? For a few minutes, I'd like for you to put yourself in Peter's shoes and see the world that Peter lived in through his eyes. As Jesus walked through Galilee, Peter was one of the first disciples that Jesus called. 
Peter was a fisherman. He was probably undereducated, but he had enough street smarts to hold his own in the fish markets and plenty of strength having fought the strong seas. Now, do you think Peter realized what he was signing up for when he cast aside his nets and decided to follow Jesus? Do you think he had any idea that Jesus was going to perform countless miracles or get into arguments with Pharisees or calm the seas and invite Peter to walk on the water? Do you think Peter had any idea that he would cut off the man's ear, deny Jesus three times, or watch life leave Jesus? Do you think Peter had any idea that he would fall deeply in love with Jesus to the point where he would be willing to give his own life in service to the kingdom? Now, I want us to stop and imagine what Peter sees as he sees Jesus hanging on the cross. I'm certain that Peter experienced a variety of emotions and thoughts. But here are three things I'd like for us to consider this morning. Shame, suffering, and death. Today, the cross symbolizes love, hope, redemption, and grace. However, in biblical times, the cross symbolized shame, suffering, and death. You see, the cross was a tool that was used to punish the worst imaginable criminals. It was purposefully designed to inflict as much pain as possible. The idea of being crucified in public was meant to humiliate the person who was being punished in the most extreme way. The Bible tells us that Jesus had to carry the cross a long way. As he made his way through the streets, Jesus was yelled at and spat upon. His body was bruised and broken open by the rocks that people threw at him. He was stripped of his clothes and he was made to lay on a cross where his hands and feet were penetrated with nails. To humiliate Jesus, a crown of thorns was placed on his head. Now imagine as that cross is being raised, the entire weight of Jesus being held up by three nails, blood flowing freely, Jesus gasping for breath as the mob continues to hurl insults and rocks the soldiers piercing Jesus' side with their spears. All of this to invoke a public shaming, unimaginable suffering, and a slow, painful death. This is what Peter sees after having followed Jesus for years. Surely Peter did not imagine or anticipate this when he and Andrew set aside their nets to follow Jesus. Surely Peter did not imagine suffering the loss of his teacher, his friend, and a man he grew to love. So as Jesus hung on that cross, Peter witnesses shame, suffering, and death. 
even as he battles with his own shame of denying knowing Jesus and being his companion. In time, Peter would come to realize what it means to take up his cross and follow Jesus. And just as Peter realized what it meant to take up his cross and follow Jesus, we too are called to take up our cross and follow Jesus. When Jesus says, take up your cross and follow him, Jesus is setting the expectation that we too must be prepared to face shame, suffering, and death. Jesus is warning us that as we live out our faith in the hallways of our school, in our workplace, even within our own families, that we will encounter people who will be really hostile towards us because, our, because of our faith in a loving God. We may encounter people who shame and mock us for believing old stories. Oh, you mean to say that a man raised his staff and waters parted? You mean to say that a baby was bo born of a virgin? You mean to say that because a man died, that you're going to live forever? How stupid, how foolish can you possibly be? This is how our culture will challenge us. As we go through life, we will find ourselves loving certain members of our family, friends, and connections from a distance as we realize that's not what Jesus wants for me. That's not what Jesus wants me to say. That's not what Jesus wants me to do. That's not what his plan is for my life. This may be the result of an interaction with either a classmate, a coach, a teacher, or someone who you are in a relationship with that is encouraging you to do something that you know is wrong and you hear that still small voice inside of you guiding your head and your heart in a different direction. Perhaps it'll be a coworker, a banker, a lawyer, or an accountant that says, well, here's how you could cut a corner and here's where you'd come out. And you clearly know you'd be cheating the other party. When we step back, and truly examine our lives, we will find that much of what God desires for us and what Jesus teaches us is in direct opposition with the culture that we are a part of. So when we decide to follow Jesus and commit our lives to him, we can expect to face hostility and opposition our culture will try to discourage us and even shame us out of having a relationship with Jesus. When Jesus says, take up your cross and follow him, he is setting the expectation that we too must be prepared to face death. Most early disciples did not die of natural causes. They faced death because they decided to follow Jesus. Now we are fortunate to live 
in a place where we may not face literal death for choosing to follow Jesus. But literal death is not the only death we need to understand. Just a few minutes ago, we talked about two lives, the physical life and the spiritual life. Jesus calls us to die to self, and what that means is to live in service not to self, but to God and to others. In Matthew 22, Jesus says, Love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important commandment. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. In John 13, Jesus says, By this everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. The word of God in Galatians 2 says, Be crucified in Christ so that you no longer live, but it is Christ who lives in you. The life that Jesus calls us to is one that is led by faith and transformation. Where we, leave, where we live more like J Jesus and less like ourselves. To die with Christ is to allow our flesh to die so that the Holy Spirit may live within us. Jesus calls us to allow that still small voice of the Holy Spirit to drown out all other voices. Jesus calls us to allow our hearts to break for what breaks God's heart. There is a cost to discipleship, and it is all of these things, but Jesus calls us to more, to accept an invitation to spend eternity with him. This is not just good news, but it is the greatest news. My challenge and encouragement to all of us this morning is that we consider what Jesus is calling us to. Your relationship with God is more costly than you realize and more precious than you know. I invite Josh and the worship team to come up and help us close out the service in song. As the team comes up, I'd like to leave you with this prayer by Willard Swartley. Lord, we identify with the blind man and the blind, slow to learn disciples. We too struggle and grapple with your call to take up Jesus's cross, to become as a child, to become servant to all. Lord, our record and testimony isn't all that great, so we need your help to gain clear vision, to say no to worldly desires, to live our lives for Jesus and the gospel. We thank you for those times when you have empowered us 
to make the right decisions and enabled us to refuse easy responses to the temptations of power, prestige, and position. Help us to be faithful. Amen.